HVAC 360, episode number 14. Ashray 189.1 with Dennis Stanky. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of HVAC 360. I'm your host, as always, Matt Nelson. Uh, in this episode, we're going to take a break, and we're going to be talking with uh, Dennis Stanky, who is the current chair of ASHRAE uh, 189.1. A uh, brand-new chair just took the reins from Kent Peterson, uh, Pat, one of the past presidents of ASHRAE. Um, 189.1, for those of you who don't know, is ASHRAE's high-performance building standard that just came out. Um, it's, uh, it's brand new. It's very all-encompassing. Uh, and uh, I won't lead you on any further, uh, so we'll go right to the interview. So here we go. All right, today we're talking with uh, Dennis Stanky, who is the current chair of the Standard 189.1 Committee. How are you doing, Dennis? I'm doing well, thank you. So can you uh, tell me a little bit about your background? Well, I... I um... I'm a longtime uh, employee of the train company, 38 years. I, um, I've been involved with airside systems and airside controls for m- most of those years. I've um, written a lot of articles and done a lot of presentations on airside um, systems. And um, for many years, I was a member and then vice chair and then chair of... Uh, the uh, ASHRAE SSPC 62.1 committee, the um, the indoor the ventilation for indoor air quality committee. Mm-hmm. So my my background is really um, related to ve- ventilation and moving air in buildings. So how did you become uh, involved with this standard? Well, I was um, I was a, a, a co- comment. Uh, I submitted many comments on this standard because it had it had some elements of um, ventilation in it, and um, I think that's what got their attention. Uh, although I'm not sure, uh, and, and then uh, Ashley approached me um, as um, as Kent Peterson was rolling off as uh, chair. They approached me and asked me if I would consider chairing this committee. Uh, I think they wanted. Um, somebody who had experience with a, a, a high-profile um, uh, ASHRAE committee, and I, and I had that, so I think that's why they approached me. So is there anything about uh, the committee that uh, is a little bit different than 62 or, or that you, uh, you know, from your expectations? Well, it's uh, a lot bigger, bigger than uh, the 62 committee. I think we had um, 17 or 18 voting members and uh 189.1 has um well when i when i started out we had 40 voting members we have we have 36 right now but that that number fluctuates um uh actually changes every 6 months or so now i guess what uh, was there any sort of additional stress that you had on your mind uh, um you know coming off of uh, uh you know uh, chairing the committee right behind Kent Peterson uh former ASHRAE president uh, no, uh, because um, uh, it, 
it's a foregone conclusion that you're not going to do as good a job as he did. So <laughs> uh, there, there's um, uh, you, you can only, you can only do your best, and and um, you know, was, I I never expected to to be as as uh, good a leader as Kent was. He, he he was excellent, and everybody knew that. But I I thought I could uh, keep the um, the puppies on the paper, so to speak, and um, uh, do the the um, uh, ASHRAE uh, standard processing as required. So I, I I didn't feel any stress about that. So now, could could you explain uh, in your own terms what ASHRAE one eighty nine point one is? Well, it's it's um, uh, a mandatory language. Um, high performance green building standard and it's in, intended for those um, code code jurisdictions where they where they want to have some or all of the buildings within their jurisdiction um, be be um, uh, sustainable buildings with um, with higher than minimum um, levels of of a variety of of items not the least of which is energy um, and um, I, I guess that that's a, a good enough uh, overall description of it now is it uh, this is a codified what would you call a codified standard what would you uh, how would you describe is that that's something that uh, um, is written in a language that can actually be put into code is that correct well, yeah I um, I always refer to it as a mandatory language standard which means it's it's written such that all all of the requirements within it uh can be enforced uh in other words uh, there's uh, it, to the best of our ability there's no interpretation uh required uh, the la- the language is clear and and it's mandatory um versus a a guideline for instance where um uh, the language might be advisory, or it might give recommendations. The language in this standard it, it gives um, requirements. So, so uh, it's it's not a it's not codified until some code authority adopts it, but it's um, ready for um, um, relatively easy uh, adoption or adaptation because it's in mandatory language. Now, where has it has it been adopted so far? Do you have any feeling on that? Um, well, um, to my knowledge, and Ash, Ashry staff really has better, um, probably is in a better position to answer this. But to my knowledge, the standard um, uh, itself has been um, um, ad- adopted. At least in part, by the the um, uh, Department of Defense for for at least for Army installations, and what they did was they they essentially said, as much as we can, we're going to use those sections of the, of the standard that are appropriate for any given building, and so there it's not like. Um, all buildings are are going to comply with all sections. It's just that they're going to use this this standard to to guide them um, as much as possible. In terms of other code jurisdictions, there's several code jurisdictions that have adopted um, an an early version of the international 
uh, green construction code, the IGCC, which is a, a code that was um, that's under development by the uh, International Code Council. Um, and the reason that's important for 189 is that 189.1 is a jurisdictional option for compliance with the IGCC. Um, and there are there are a couple of jurisdictions that have ad adopted the IGCC. And uh, if I remember right, it's um, uh, Maryland, um, uh, Rhode Island, I think, uh, was one of the first. Um, a few, a few others. Uh, um, I, I want to say Rich Richmond, or um, well, I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, what, it's not Rich. It's I think it's Richland uh, in uh, Washington, Washington State, and a few other localities. Uh, maybe New York City is talking about it. But this is something that you know, adoption is something that. Um, ASHA staff is more involved with our committee. Our committee does committee work, and we just we hear about uh, adoption, but we aren't we don't get involved with it. Okay. Now, how does it how does uh, 189.1 differ than the 90.1? Well, 90.1 is is focused on on uh, energy use and efficient energy use, whereas uh, 189.1 covers a lot more ground than that. It it um, it, it includes uh, uh, efficient energy use. The way it does that is it is it says that um, to comply with ninety with uh, one eighty nine point one, you have to comply with all the uh, requirements in ninety point one plus some additional requirements. So it's uh, it's like an overlay standard over over ninety point one. Uh, it, uh, it uh, picks up 90.1 requirements, adds to them, and then, of course, covers a lot of a lot of other areas other than energy itself. So, uh, what is uh, yeah? I guess what's what's contained with uh, within the uh, 189? What are the major components that that people could expect to see um, in the standard? Well, those other areas beyond energy are are um, uh, sustainable site. Related, in other words, um, where you build and and um, you know what, what kind of land you build on, and how how far is it from um, services that that the um, occupants of the building are going to need, and how easy is it to get to? Those are all all site sustainability requirements. It has uh, water use requirements or water use efficiency requirements, I should say. In other words, the fixtures in a High-performance green building can't use a lot of water, and you have to control rainwater uh, outdoors. You can't you can't um, uh, build a bunch of parking lots and let a, let all the rainwater run off into the storm sewers uh, like we do in traditional buildings. Um, you know, so there's both indoor and outdoor water use uh, requirements. There's, as I said, energy requirements which exceed 90.1. There's indoor environmental requirements, which which include ventilation. Uh, one one of the things that's um, notable in the in the, the section for indoor environmental quality is that all the requirements of 62.1 must be met, uh, plus 
um, uh, requirements related to acoustics and human comfort and um, a few other things that that ASHA 62 doesn't cover, like uh, like uh, requirements related to radon uh, and other soil gases. Um, so that, that gives you an idea there. Then then there's a an important section on um, I call it the impact section. It's uh, it covers impact on the the building's impact on atmosphere, um, materials, and resources, and that's a that's about um, um, you know don't don't use don't use use CFCs and and uh, use materials that are that are found near the construction site within a 500 mile radius use use materials that have high high um, um, recycled content and and that are recyclable um, you know um, requirements that are related to going easy on the resources and not not filling up the uh, landfill sites mm-hmm. now is is would it be a, a fair statement that that looking at say uh, the um, lead scorecard and, and the lead uh, from the USGBC U.S. Green Building Council, looking at that rating system, um, is that outline kind of similar to what the one eighty nine point one looks like in in structure a little bit? Well, um, in terms of areas. Uh, uh, covered in a, in a broad sense, they're they're very similar, the, um, which which isn't um, unexpected, since both the rating system, the lead rating system, and the standard uh, are, have as a goal to to um, uh, build a high performance green building that's that is has sustainability um, in mind. Um, but there is an important distinction, and that is um, uh, 189.1 is a standard. It 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 doesn't have um, optional paths or levels of compliance. You you either comply with it or or, or you don't. Uh, it's it has requirements in it. Uh, the the lead lead uh, products are rating systems, um, wherein um, uh, you. Pick and choose among uh, requirements, and um, the the more co- requirements you meet, the higher rating you get for your building. Um, that that's um, a kind of kind of a different um, way to look at your building than than a standard looks looks at your building. And and um, the the two are comparable in terms of content, but um, they're it's. I guess I'd like to say it's unknown how comparable they are in terms of outcome. Um, we're actually studying that right now. We think that we think that um, lead buildings um, uh, go beyond the minimum requirements of the standard um, in many in many cases. That is, in in many aspects and in many um, geographic locations. But it's not. Not, it's not um, uh, something you can generalize. 
Okay. So in, in developing this standard 189.1, uh, what sort of groups were, uh, were involved in, in, in generating this? Well, this was a collaboration um, uh, among uh, ASHRAE, uh, the USGBC, and um, the um, International, uh, I'm sorry, the Illuminating uh, Engineer Society. Um, and and um, the, the committee right now has, has um, some organizational members as well, it, uh, both BOMA and AIA are organizational members on the committee, and they, so they have a vote on the committee as well. So obviously, when when the, since it's a standard and it's looking to get adopted, um, how are code officials being um, integrated to uh, you know education? Um, is there any sort of outreach going on, or, or you know, I mean, obviously, uh, this is a, a little bit more intensive than what uh, ASHRAE ninety point one would expect, um, and it's something a little bit new and different. What's kind of the expectation from the the, the code enforcement standpoint? Do you, do you have any um, opinions on that? Well, um, uh, yeah, I have an opinion, and that is that work needs to be done there. The The standard is uh, a complicated thing, and the requirements are, are – uh, there, there, there are many re- – when, when you look at it like this, um, standard 189 has a bunch of requirements in related to energy, but um, the, the number one requirement is, is – comply with all the requirements in 90.1 well well that's a lot of requirements and and for code officials to um, uh, know those requirements and be able be able to um, uh, check a design let's say and make sure that it is in compliance with all those, those requirements just related to energy is a big job um, so uh, I think um, uh, education of Code of code officials is is uh, an important aspect and needs to be done, and uh, I think needs to be developed. I, in my view, there's there's not um, there. Well, let's put it this way: our committee is not involved with with uh, uh, training um, beyond uh, ASHRAE. Um, uh, and, Training sessions, you know, two-hour or four-hour training sessions at the annual meeting, which which really can only be overviews of the requirements and the standard. Um, if if more than that is to be done, especially for code officials, I believe that somebody else is going to be doing that, or perhaps ASHRAE, but but uh, perhaps a committee that's separate from um, 189.1. Okay. Now, is there something that um, you know, as far as um, a lot of people are very interested in, in, in the, you know, high-performance buildings and making sure that, you know, society is, is, is moving towards that direction. Um, you know, is there, is there a lot that the engineering community could, uh, could do in that regard? Well, they, if, if things are really going to happen, um, uh, if, if buildings are really going to become uh, high-performance green and sustainable uh it's going to be because that's how they were designed and uh that with that noted um you can't uh if you're the mechanical system designer there's not much you can do about whether 
whether there's a lot of turf grass on the site or or whether the the pavers are porous or whether there's too much light going up from the parking lot those are all somebody else's um uh, in somebody else's purview so so it has to be a collaboration between not not only design engineers but the um, architect and uh, uh, several other um, uh, contractors who get involved with putting buildings together. It has to be a collaborative team effort if it's really going to get done. Now, how I guess what are you know I, I guess uh, one of the questions that I have is 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 really how is the standard going to change? I mean, is is this standard on continuous renewal like some of the other ASHRAE standards? It's a it's a continuous maintenance standard. Okay. Um, in fact, um, um, that when it became a continuous maintenance standard uh, in in ASHRAE parlance, that's um, um, it's it's a stand, standing standards project committee. So it's an SSPC and. Um, before before I got involved, it was uh, a standard standards project committee, an SPC, and so it was just, it was under development. Once it got published, then it uh, w- when it went under continuous maintenance, and that's when I came in as chair, and and um, now it's a continuous maintenance standard. It'll continue. It's continually updated um, through. Um, uh, a, a, a relatively well it's it seems simple to me but it seems complicated to some but let's a, a a well well established process for um um uh make proposing addenda to the standard that is proposing changes to the standard and processing those changes um including um um letting the public see and comment on those uh, proposed changes and and following essentially following ANSI rules for ANSI standards. Are there any areas that you, that you see that uh, that are going to be uh, uh, possibly uh, you know changed? I mean, I guess right now the the current version would be considered what? Uh, uh, when was it issued? Two thousand and nine, or was correct. it? Yes, so, that's correct. So the next one's going to be two thousand and twelve. Is that uh, actually no? The um, the next. Um, version will be issued later this year 2011 um, and the motivation for that is um, uh, to to uh, publish it in time um, so that it's available before the final action committee hearing for the IGCC so it so the most up-to-date uh, requirements in in 189.1 can be included in the first issue that that is the 2012 issue of the IGCC and then after after this time then it'll then it'll get on the same cycle as um, as 90.1 and 62.1 in other words there'll be a, a 2013 version and 2016 and so on it'll be on the three-year code cycle we call it okay so they're all going to line up or because I know the next version the current version of uh, 90.1 is 2010 and so the next one's going to be 2013. So that's going to be it's going to start lining up again, like you said. Correct. 
Now, what are some of the changes that we're going to – are there going to be any significant changes or this is more, um, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, incorporating some minor things and, and uh, uh, for the 2011 uh, version? Well, well um, in my view, it, it, um, keeping up with, with 90.1 and 62.1 and uh, standard 55 – which is the comfort standard, keeping up with, with those three standards, which are the primary uh, standards referenced in 60, I mean, in uh, 189.1, um, keeping up is a, is a big deal. And that's, uh, that's been, you know, since I got on the committee, the, the bulk of the addenda that we've, that we've um, uh, processed have been related to, um, uh, catching up to the 2010 version of 90.1 and 62.1, um, and we we continue to monitor what they're doing and and issue uh, addenda that that will help us help us be uh, in sync essentially with um, future versions of 90.1 and 62.1. Now, how is that? How how is that incorporated? Um, obviously, you get a new version of ninety point one. Is is the the standard just saying you have to be so much better than the um, you know the base standard? Is that is that the case, or is there m- more to it than that? Well, there's really much more to it than that. It's a, it's a, it's actually a, um, requirement by requirement uh, uh, approach. In other words, um, uh, if if a given paragraph in Ninety point one uh, requires e- economizers under certain conditions. We we check um, the corresponding paragraph, which won't be the same number, of course, but there'll be a corresponding paragraph in in um, one eighty nine point one, and we'll check to make sure that that our requirement for economizer uh, operation is equal to or better than in terms of of um, reduced energy use uh, than than the 90.1 requirement. So so we 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 have to keep track of of every change they're making, uh, every every um, re- requirement modification that they make to to see if if that if that um, change will will result in a change to 189.1. Now we have, uh, I, I think the new, the next version of uh, LEED is going to be 2012. Is that going to have any effect on what's going on in your committee, or how is that? Can you can you speak to that at all? Well, we, we of course will be paying attention to, to what they're doing, and um, some some of the requirements that they include in 2012, we we will. Um, uh, Pick up in in terms of we will we will um, um, as a committee think well this this is a pretty good requirement uh, we should include it in our standard and so we'll write a um, uh, an addendum and uh, process it we'll get it out to the to public review and we'll try to get it incorporated into our standard so we'll we'll follow along. Um, um, with uh, what what we view as good ideas in the, in the lead rating systems, so, uh, as best we can. Okay. Um, now, as as far as um, um, the uh, um, education, 
of 189. You, you had mentioned they have, uh, at the uh, Ashbury Summer and Winter Meetings, um, they have uh, special sessions um, to kind of, I guess, give a brief overview of 189.1. Um, what other things are available for um, information, for learning, uh, for getting a better handle on, on what this is going to entail? Well, at, at this point, the, um, those short courses that are, that are available um, um, both with, a, with an instructor uh, semi-annually at, at the winter and summer meetings, um, and they're also available um, online um, uh, at, uh, I, I believe the way they do that is with, uh, with webinars, so it, it'll be, there's a specific time in, um, in October, for instance, when there's going to be an online uh, um, short course. Um, and, you know, what people have to do is watch the ASHRAE website under the Education tab and, and find out when, when there's going to be um, um, some educational short courses available and how, and, and how they're going to be available. But the other thing that people can do, of course, is, um, is get themselves a copy of the user's guide and um, use it to help educate themselves on um, what the requirements of the standard are, what, what they mean, how, how, how you um, options to comply, let's put it that way, um, and, and um, what, what um, maybe examples and example calculations and um, the rationale behind some of the requirements and so on. Mm -hmm. And I and I guess you know thinking about it in my own head you know really since a lot of the requirements are coming from ninety point one and sixty two and fifty five those type of standards you really might just regress back to learning about those and then seeing how they're being tweaked in one eighty nine point one. Yes, that's actually probably one of the one of the more important things that you can do if you want to keep up is uh, go to go to some of the ninety point one. Uh, ongoing short courses that are that that explain, for instance, the 2010 version of 90.1, or or go to some of the uh, 62.1 short courses uh, that that explain the, the 2010 version of 62.1. Those, those are, you know, you 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 learn a lot that you'll have to know in order to comply with 189.1. Mm -hmm. So is that the the user's guide for 189.1? Is that the uh, the committee that develops that? The committee is involved in that. Um, the committee writes a, a statement of work, and um, then then that statement of work goes out to uh, um, out for bid to contractors, and and uh, in the end, a contractor is chosen, and a contractor writes the user's manual. Um, but but uh, then the committee approves, of course. So there, there's a, um, the committee is involved, but um, uh, there's a contract that's being actually paid to do the work for the user's manual. Now, I guess one of the questions that that pops into my mind when I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, I look at the 189.1, I look at lead. Obviously, and you had kind of said that, you know, I mean, 189 is a is a standard. Um, 29.1 is a standard. Um, it's a benchmark. Um, 
I guess what what does it mean as far as kind of I guess the lead rating system? I mean, is it is it, is it meant to kind of be okay if you comply with one eighty nine point one? Is that like ASHRAE or uh, U.S. Or lead certified kind of level, or is that uh, has there been kind of an association um, analyzed uh, from um, you know the the, uh, the standard? Well, no. There, that making that kind of comparison is is really hard because it's um, um, very much um, project specific and or say project dependent and site dependent and um, uh, to to make a a broad generalization, you may you may find that one building in one site, um, if it's uh, if if it meets all the requirements of 189.1, it might wind up being um, a, a lead certified building, um, uh, but it might not. It, it might it just might come really close to that, or it might be a lead uh, silver. You know, you can't you can't predict um, because um, the 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 two the requirements to the two. Well, well, okay. Let me just explain it this way. You. You must meet all the requirements in 189.1. You may meet what well. You must meet all the prerequisites in in the lead rating system. But then after that, it's your choice um, on a lot of uh, uh, of um, of the credits what you're going to meet and what you're not going to meet. You may find that that um, uh, some some aspects related to site. Um, just didn't work out very well on this site, and this architect didn't want to didn't want to um, uh, use porous pavers, so so they decided not to um, not to use porous pavers, um, and and therefore not earn earn a point on a given credit. But if you look in um, in 189.1, well, if they're going to comply. That was a requirement. They had to do that. Um, so, so you know, there's a lot of choice, choices in lead, um, and there there are there are some options, in, optional compliance paths in in 189.1. But but you have to do one or the other. You it's not uh, it's you don't you don't get to uh, dismiss any requirements and say well I'm it's too hard on in this in this case I'm not going to do that one. Uh, which is which is uh, what you can do with with lead. You can with lead. You can kind of decide. You, you, you can pick and choose what to what to comply with on a given job, but you can't do that uh, and comply with one eighty nine point one. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, if somebody is interested in getting involved in one eighty nine point one, how how would they do that? I mean, is is that a possibility? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, it's an ASHRAE committee, and and um, uh, ASHRAE on their website gives instructions on how to apply uh, for membership to ASHRAE committees. And so, so any, anybody at any time can go to the ASHRAE website and fill out the paperwork and um, apply for membership, um, and then and then um, the committee. Um, we'll we'll look at the applicants and and um, 
um, decide uh, where, who has strengths that we that we uh, uh, that match up with a need that we have on the committee, and who who has experience that matches up with uh, uh, a need that we have, and and we'll um, um, go through those um, ap applications and decide who uh, to uh, let's say o offer. Um, a spot on the committee to normally people come on as non-voting members, um, and then if, uh, if they're if if they show an interest and and um, are particip active participants, then eventually they're 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 let's say promoted to uh, voting member status, and um, typically the voting member. Um, um, Period period of uh, of, of um, involvement is uh, well, it's a chair's choice, but it's usually four years. Okay, and if they can, and you you meet at the summer and winter meetings, and so those are anybody who just wants to pop by and, and attend those, uh, those are available as well. That's true, and uh, not only that, we we meet monthly uh, via webinar, and um, I believe that those. Um, uh, meetings are also available on a first come first serve basis to people who are not members of the committee. The reason I say first come first serve is our our telephone lines have have a, a limit to how many people can actually participate on on a, a conference call, and so the 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 committee members uh, are all there, and then as much you know. It's it's like we have a certain room size. Sure. The committee yeah. gets in, and some people are standing out in the hall. Um, for the most part, though, we haven't found that to be a problem. And I haven't heard any complaints for, from people who have wanted to attend a webinar session and have not been able to. Excellent. All right. Well, I appreciate the information on one eighty nine point one state or Dennis, and um, uh, I think the, uh, the one thing that I always like to do is uh, um, ask uh, on an unrelated topic, kind of, um, if you had any lessons learned that you'd like to share, uh, whether they be in, uh, you know, manufacturing or construction, uh, anything that you've learned along the way that uh, that um, might help people uh, out in the field or uh, uh, in the, uh, on the on the boards. Well, I I. Um... You know, people people my age. I'm, I'm you know I'm getting up there now, uh, so I have a lot of experience, right? And so people with uh, experience uh, like I have already know some of these things. Uh, like don't over don't overcommit. Uh, that that's a that's a soft skill, right? That we don't all have. A, in fact, most of us don't have it. Uh, we most of us overcommit, but that. That's good advice, I think, and I wish I could take it myself. Um, in um, one of the things I found um, on a different subject is um, uh, in this modern world where we do so much by email, um, it it's uh, clear to me that um, people uh, spend uh, pe people write emails fast and they don't proofread. And that's something that's a discipline that that um, we all we all need to get better at um, because um, it, it's it's so easy to um, 
uh, leave out a negative where you meant to put one in and uh, reverse the meaning of, the, of what you just sent. Um, to me, uh, proofreading your email is, uh, is really a, a, good, a good thing to remember uh, and that, as, as you go through the process of life. Um, and uh, uh, you know, a couple of a couple of um, things that everybody knows uh, uh, show up so that you can get something done and keep up so that you uh, don't get behind. Once you get behind in this world, it's really hard to catch up. Excellent. That, that's about it. Good, good. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, those are words of wisdom uh, and lessons learned from you, Dennis. Um, again, I appreciate your time uh, to uh, st- uh, you know sit down and talk with us uh, regarding uh, 189.1. And uh, uh, I guess good luck to you, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, hear from you in the future. Okay. Thank you. All right. We're back. Uh, thanks again uh, to uh, to Dennis um, and his uh, willingness to spend some time with us to talk a little bit about 189.1. Um, it's really, uh, I think, a, a brand new uh, standard that uh, is going to get a lot of traction. Now that it's uh, incorporated into the International uh, Green Construction Code, is um, the uh, as Dennis had pointed out, um, also the the broad reach. This is not just a standard for for ASHRAE engineers. It's it's a standard for uh, you know electrical engineers, standard for architects, uh, standard for you know plumbing engineers. So I think the uh, the really the 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 real takeaway uh, item from this interview. Um, that we've kind of stumbled upon is really for HVAC engineers, uh, you know, learning about 189, that's, that's, that's one thing. Um, but really I think that you need to, uh, once you learn the, the, the basic structure of it, I think the next most important thing is to uh, keep current on your uh, fundamental standards, you know, like the 90.1s, the 62.1, the, the ventilation code, and the 55, which is a, the, the comfort code, or the comfort standard, rather. So, uh, again, I think that's uh, pretty much all I have for this week. Um, please, if you have any comments or suggestions, go ahead and email those to me at matt at buildingx.co. Or if you want to visit my blog, uh, there's sometimes there's a little extra bits and pieces that I will uh, post up there. And that's at buildingx.co as well. Uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, my handle is buildingx. And as always, uh, iTunes feedback is always greatly appreciated. So thanks for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, remember, know what you build and share what you know.